Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Ruth. If you'll turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 4, if this is your first Sunday with us, I've been speaking about five spiritual disciplines, and this morning we're going to be talking about worship, about worship. You know, I would never tell you anything that's not true. Heard about a church service. A man went for the first time and he began to be moved in the service and he, he shouted out loud, Amen. People around him were a little disturbed. Then louder he said, Hallelujah. And a few more people were becoming disturbed. And louder still he shouted, Praise Jesus. This really got people going. Usher moved down the aisle and whispered to the man, Sir, you need to control yourself. And the man explained, Well, I can't help it. I got Jesus. And the usher said, Well, you didn't get him here. <laughs> well, where else would you get him? Amen. Well, I hope you get him here. In 2007, there was a song that came out by the Shop Boys entitled Party Like a Rock Star. And I know this group knows that song, right? But the whole idea is they captured this thought that everybody wants to be like a rock star, star amen? And so this is the idea. We want to worship like the saints and angels, right? We want to we worship to their level. We want to be up there with the big boys and the girls and worship in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. The title of my message this morning is Worship Like the Saints and the Angels. Worship Like the Saints and the Angels. Now listen to the theme as I read it to you. It's in the bulletin as well. Be on the screen. Far too many Christians see worship as a ritual or as something we do on Sunday morning with choirs, guitars, and music. When in reality, worship is about knowing God and responding personally to that knowledge. That's one of the reasons it's so sad when people get all up in arms about worship styles. It's about God. It's not about you. Wow. Listen to that. Do you all know that we have people write on the Connect card their complaints and put it in the offering? They think it's a complaint card. Right. Do you know what we do with those? We just throw them away. I pray for the person who wrote it and I throw it away. All right. And do you know that every complaint card I've gotten is about music? Isn't that something? Now, wouldn't I just tell you that worship is not about you. Worship is about who? God. God. You see, this issue where people started to go wrong with worship started in the Garden of Eden. Now, think about this. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve valued the words of the serpent over the words of God. Now think about that. 
Adam and Eve trusted the words of the serpent over the words of God. And ever since that day, mankind has been valuing the wrong things. You see, worship is as old as time itself. Now, you have your place in Revelation. Hold your place there and turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. Now, we're coming back to Revelation. But worship is as old as time itself. The first recorded act of worship. Now, notice I said the first recorded act of worship because we know Adam and Eve walked with God. And what do you think they were doing? They were worshiping him. We don't know what was said. But the first recorded act of worship is found in Genesis chapter 4. And look with me in verse 3 through 7. This is a story of Cain and Abel. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard... For Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well... Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Now, beloved, let me share you some things in here. I want you to see in this recorded act of worship that one person's worship is accepted and another person's worship is not. Wow. Wow. How many times have we actually thought of ourselves, well, I came to church today and I didn't get anything. I didn't like the music and the pastor was too loud. I didn't get anything. Beloved, let me tell you, you can come to church and you cannot worship. Or you can come to church and you can worship. Now look at this. In verse 4 it says this. And Abel brought the firstborn of the flock and of their fat portions, but the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Verse 5, but for Cain and his offering, he had no, what does it say, beloved? Regard. The second thing I want you to see is this. I want you to see that the Lord comes to Cain. Cain's angry. Cain wasn't worshiping, but the Lord comes to him and he says in verse 6, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Here's a, here's a great lesson. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Beloved, let me tell you this. Do you know that Satan wants to destroy every one of us? And he uses sin to do that. Once you accept Christ as your Savior, he's lost you. 
You won't go to hell, but he can destroy your testimony. He can destroy your life here. He can keep you from serving Jesus. He can keep you from being a witness so others can be saved. And he uses sin. It says sin is crouching at the door. It's the picture in my mind of this tiger that is sort of hiding right beside this bush at your door. And if you, if you open the door and you don't see him, he's going to get you. And notice he says, it desires is contrary to you. In one translation, it says its desire is to destroy you. And then it says, but you must rule over it. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to rule. You're supposed to use some self-discipline. Can you imagine that? Self-discipline? This morning, I want to share with you some wonderful lessons. Now, look at your outline, point number one. Point number one, only God is worthy of worship. Now turn back with me to Revelation chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 11. Only God is worthy of worship. Now work, look with me in verse 11. It says, worthy are you. What does it start with? Worthy. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. No man, no woman is ever worthy of worship, regardless of who they are. In fact, our world does everything in its power to worship anybody or anything other than God. We worship the rock stars, do we not? We worship basketball players. We worship football players. We will worship anything other than God. Now hold your place here in Revelation and turn with me to Romans chapter 1. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 that men and women are so messed up that we would be willing to do anything other than worship God. Look with me in verse 24. In Romans 1 verse 24 it says, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a, what's it say, beloved? Lie. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Who is blessed forever? Amen. Men and women, boys and girls, have forever sold their hearts to such things as power, authority, wealth, popularity, human glory, ease and comfort, and other things. These are all created things. Now turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is tempted by Satan. And one of the things that Satan tempts Jesus with is that he wanted Jesus to worship him. Beloved, who did I say deserves worship? Only God. Only God deserves worship. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, 
It says, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. In verse 9, and he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and, what does it say, beloved? Worship me. Do you see what Satan wants? Satan wants worship. And he really wants the Son of God to worship him. Because then it would make him greater than God. He said, you must fall down and worship me. Look at verse 10. Then Jesus said to him, I love this, be gone. It's like dismissing him. You're dismissed. Be gone. You can go now. All right? He says, be gone, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Verse 11, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Beloved, let me tell you, I believe that when we worship, we'll experience the same thing. Tell the devil, be gone. I'm going to worship God. Only he is worthy of my worship. And I love this part. If angels came and ministered to Jesus, they come today and minister to you and I. The Bible tells us that is one of the roles of God's angels, to minister to us. Now, look at your outline, point number two, the second lesson I want you to see. Worship glorifies and honors God. Worship glorifies and honors God. Now turn back to Revelation chapter 4. In Revelation chapter 4, let's look at verse 8. It says, And around the throne and on each side of the throne are four living creatures. Now I'm going to come back and talk about these creatures. They're full of eyes. In front and behind, verse 7, the first living creature is like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. In verse 8, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes and all around and within, and notice this, and day and night they never cease to say, holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, look at verse 10. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and they cast their crowns before the throne. And then they say, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Now, beloved, let me talk to you about these verses. We see here four living creatures. Now, if you want to study more about this, not now while I'm preaching, I don't want to see you turn into Isaiah or Ezekiel. But let me give you these passages. In Isaiah chapter 6, we see these same creatures, but they're not in the throne room of God. In the book of Revelation, we see that these angels are in the throne room of God. 
in Isaiah and in Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 5 and in Ezekiel chapter 10, we see that these four angels are on the earth. In fact, in Ezekiel, we see that they are in Jerusalem. Isn't that amazing? The city of Jerusalem. So these angels, even though their place, their duty, their spot is before the throne of God, they do go and do ministry for the Lord wherever he may send them. And they worship and they honor and they glorify God all the time. You see, God created us for worship. And did you notice that there are 24 elders that are sitting around the throne? There are 24 elders. We don't know who these men or women are. But we believe that surely you think the 12 disciples would be in there, amen? You know, maybe Abraham, friend of God. You know, you could pick some more. How about Daniel? Well, let me pick one. How about Billy Graham? You see, we don't know who these 24 are. We don't know. Maybe it's Deborah. Remember, she was a prophet in the Old Testament. Maybe it's Esther. Maybe she's one of the elders. We don't know who they are. But beloved, let me tell you, if you want that position, I'm going to tell you to go for it. You could go for it. But to do that, you need to be right with God. Amen. You need to be living for him. We have these, four, these 24 elders, and we're going to see that they worship God. They have crowns on their head. They cast their crowns before Jesus. He created us to worship him. He created, created us to lift our heads to heaven and to give thanks for the most sacred thing God has given us, and that is our life. We were created in the image of God. Did you understand that? In Genesis it said, let us create man and woman in our image. The living creatures of chapter 4 do not know the joy of being redeemed. They're not lost. We know how we were redeemed. But yet they still praise God. They thank Him. How much more should we as men and women, boys and girls that have been redeemed, saved from our sin... Praise and glorify God. The third lesson I want you to see is worship will never cease. Point number three on your outline. Worship never ceases. You don't have to just worship on Sunday. You can worship in the morning when you get up. You can worship in your car when you go to work. You can worship at lunch when you spend a few moments with God. Worship will never cease. Now look with me in Revelations 4, look at verse 6. It says in verse 6, And before the throne there was as if, as, as if it were a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are the four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. Verse 7, we read this. Verse 8, drop down to verse 8. And the four living creatures, each of them, with six wings and full of eyes all around and within, day and night, it says, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
Beloved, worship will never cease. The living ones never rest. They constantly proclaim holiness. These angels are called living ones. They never cease. The 24 elders always join in with the living ones. The 24 elders, they worship with the living ones. They inspire us. They should encourage us. Their crowns are earned by victory. Do you want this crown? Then you need to be victorious in your Christian life. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. As I was talking about these elders, I could see in the face of some of y'all, you actually would love to be one. And let me tell you, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, don't, I'm, I'm, I know how bad I am. I can't make it. But I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray you could be one. And if you want to be one, you need to put this verse in your Bible and you need to pray it. In 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verse 1. So, I exhort the elders among you as, fellow, as a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Verse 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercise oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Notice verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of, what's it say, beloved? Glory. Now you want to be an elder? Then you start practicing it here. Notice what it says about them. They are to exercise oversight. They are to do it willingly. Not under compulsion. They should not do, do things that are shameful for gain or love money. They should not be domineering over those who are they're in their charge. But they are to be what? Examples. You want to be one of the 24? You need to start with this group and work your way up. Amen? The one thing God doesn't do is worship himself. The one thing we were created to do is worship God. You ought to write that down. You ought to understand that. He cannot worship himself. He does not. We worship him. Well, what will God do to those who do not worship him? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us a very sad story about people who think they're right with God, who think they're good people, that God is going to welcome them, who think that they're doing what they should. In Matthew 7, look at verse 23. Jesus says, And then will I declare to them, I never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness you see what happens when people don't worship God Jesus says depart from me I never knew you the fourth lesson I want you to see look at your outline worship requires action and the words of our mouth. You see, it's more than just our words. It requires action. Worship, number four, requires action. 
and the words of our mouth. Look with me back in Revelation chapter 4 and let's look at verse 9. In verse 9 it says, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is on the throne, who lives forever and ever, look at verse 10, the, t- the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. Notice the next phrase. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created You see what happens here? We see the words coming out of these living ones. These 24 elders get off their thrones. They bow on the ground, their face to the ground. They take their crowns and they cast them at the feet of God. Worship requires action and the words of our mouth. There was a common practice in the ancient Roman Empire When Rome would conquer a country, many times they would allow the lesser kings to remain kings. And they would have to appear at certain times before the emperor. And when they did, they would bow before him and they would take their crown off and they would cast it before Caesar. And then after that program, they would take their crown and put it back on. Now, beloved, let me just say this to you. If you you read the story... God does not want our crowns. He gives us our crowns because he wants us to have them. Amen? Whenever you see the 24 elders, they always have their crown. He doesn't keep their crown. But they cast them, and I like this, you know, these crowns are indestructible. You don't have to worry about getting, you know, you think, oh, this is such a beautiful crown. I really don't want to throw that out there. What if that ruby pops out, you know? You know, that diamond is my favorite thing, and I'd hate to throw that out and the diamond pop out, you know. It says they cast them. That means nothing to them. They're indestructible. They won't break. In other words, they would be good for grandchildren. (laughs) All right? But whenever you see the 24 elders, they always have their crown back. God doesn't keep them. It's a sign of we love you, and we're going to just, hey, I'm going to take this thing, I'm going to throw it right there at your feet. This is a wonderful thing. When the elders worship God, they, they fall down before the throne. The prophets warn us in Isaiah 29, verse 13, don't turn there, but I gave it to you on the outline. The prophet said this, and the Lord said, Because this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. You see, in in Isaiah 29, 13, this is what happens. People honor God with their lips, but they don't honor God with their actions. But you see, worship requires actions and the words of our mouth. It requires both of those God should never require lip service. He doesn't want our lip service. He wants our true worship. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew 15, Jesus once again is speaking. 
And he says these words in verse 8. Jesus says, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when you said, when he said, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. This is what Jesus says. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. Many of you know this Bible verse. You've memorized it. The Apostle Paul tells us in Romans 12.1, he says, I appeal therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Isn't that amazing? That you present your body... And it becomes your spiritual worship. Wow. The fifth lesson I want you to see, but notice on your outline, is this. Worship proclaims the holiness of God. Now turn back to Romans chapter, uh, Revelations chapter 4. In verse 8, drop down to the bottom and notice what it says. Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You see, worship proclaims the holiness of God. God is holy. God is perfect. There can be found in him no corruption and no sin. Jesus is the perfect example of what holiness means. He lived a life worthy of God. He lived in our world, imagine that, and he did not sin. He did not sin. He lived as a servant and a teacher of truth. He brought healing where there was disease. He brought love where there was hatred. He brought joy where there was sadness. He brought hope where there was despair. Turn with me to 1 Peter and look at verse 1 and look at verse 16. In 1 Peter 1.16, it says, Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Who's supposed to be holy? We are. If God says we are to be holy, then we should try to be holy. I talk to my dad every Friday night. He's 90 years old. My dad is in Atlanta. He's caring for my mom. She's in a nursing home. And she doesn't speak anymore, and so I haven't talked to her in some time since our last visit. But we were talking last uh, Friday night. I call him every Friday night. We were talking about how hard it was to be good. He said, he, he's 90. He said, I'm trying to be good. It's just so hard, right? It is hard. Have you noticed that? It's hard to be good, and it's hard to be holy. But Jesus said, the Bible says that we are to be holy because God is holy. To proclaim the holiness of God, we must live as holy disciples, teachers, holy servants of the gospel. We to live a life worthy of God's holiness. Now the sixth point I want you to see, look at your outline. Worship is private and corporate. 
Number six, worship is private and corporate. Now look with me back in Revelations 5 and look at verse 11. I want you to see the corporate worship. This is before the throne room of God. We know private worship. But look at verse 11 of chapter 5. Then I looked and I heard, a, heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many, what does it say, beloved? Angels. Numbering myriads of myriads. Now that word myriads and myriads is a, is a mathematical phrase used in the original language to talk about numbers. So it means myriads and myriads, bunches and bunches of angels. Thousands of thousands. Notice it says that next. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Look at verse 13. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Look at verse 14. And the four living creatures said, Amen. Did you notice this? Did you know that most people think that all they say is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty? They say amen. This is the final word. Amen. And notice what it says after that. And the elders fell down and worshipped. There they are doing it again. They're worshipping. What are the elders doing? Worshipping. Worship is a community affair. As much as worship is a matter of each man and woman's heart, it's also a community affair. God gave us a community of believers. We are a church. We come together to pray for the deliverance of souls. We come together to pray for someone's finances, for a job, for a house, for family members to be saved. But the last word is the word we see here in verse 14. What do the angels say? Amen. So be it. Amen. This week as I was preparing, I read a story about Tommy Walker. Tommy Walker is an American worship leader. In the next service, many, many people will know him. He has composed many worship songs. He is a recording artist. He is an author. One of his favorite songs that I play on my guitar is He Knows My Name. He knows my name. This is what Tommy Walker wrote about worship. He says, I can't remember how many times I felt like God was a million miles away. And then in an instant, I recognized he was closer than the air I breathe. The Bible says in Psalm 22 verse 3 that he actually lives and dwells in our praise. This is a mystery and the miracle of the breakthrough power and presence of God when we worship. When we worship, we affirm the truth of God and it's being rooted deep in our hearts. When I was 11 years old, the Jesus movement was taking hold in my hometown of El Paso, Texas. The church I attended began to be filled with long-haired, barefoot hippies. 
We sang a cappella songs like Hallelujah over and over again. It really was an authentic, powerful movement of God. But I was very young, so most of the time I was bored and distracted. However, I do remember watching the Holy Spirit move on the lives of high school kids worshiping and weeping at the mention of God's love. There was such an amazing sense of grace and unity among everyone that on one Friday night, as a Christian band was playing Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, it happened for the first time. While observing everyone worshiping God, I began to sense God's presence. I've heard it said that worship is a picture of the gospel in motion, and it certainly was for me that night. I saw people displaying a kind of personal, intimate relationship with God that I wanted and needed, a relationship that I knew was made possible only by the blood of Jesus. And on that Friday night, as the Christian band performed, the God we had sung about became my own personal God. Became my own personal God. I sensed him saying to me for the first time, Tommy, I love you and I have called you to do great things for me. I wept at the thought that the God of heaven wanted to save and use a young boy like me. I surrendered my life to Jesus that night. And one of my life verses has been Psalm 40, verse 3. It says, He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Beloved, let me tell you, this thing of worship, it's real. You and I need to be worshiping Almighty God. We need to have that feeling. We need to use our words. We need to use our actions. We need to worship Him. Because if you don't learn how to do it now, you'll be behind when you get to heaven. All right? God was made. He made us to worship Him. How are you doing with this act of worship? Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for the opportunity to preach to your people today. What a joy it is to open the word of God. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today that does not have a relationship with Jesus, that as I preach these things, that God, maybe you begin to speak to their heart. And today they want to accept Christ as their Savior. Friend, if you're here today and you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, why don't you make that decision right now? If God is speaking to your heart, why don't you have a little prayer with him? Friend, the Bible tells us we've all sinned, Romans 3.23. It says, for we've all sinned and missed the mark. All come short. Can't go to heaven. We've missed the mark. But the Bible also tells us in John 3.16, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, whosoever believeth in me should not perish but have everlasting life. 
In Romans 10, 13, the Apostle Paul writes, Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here today and God is speaking to you about having a relationship, why don't you make that decision right now? Pray a little prayer like this. Say, God, I feel you moving in my heart today and the best I know how. I want to confess my sin to you and I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. And then say something like this to him. Say, God, please make me your child. Would you make that decision today? Christian, let me talk to you. I've been talking about spiritual disciplines. I've been talking about worship. Worship. Worship is for God. It's not for you. It's for God. Are you worshiping God? Do you worship Him with your words and your actions? Lord, I pray for those Christians who have a desire to be holy elders. I pray that you would help them. Lord, I, I would rejoice to come into eternity and see one of the elders on the throne a member of First Baptist Rockville. And Lord, I know that you can make all things possible. For those who have that desire, I pray that you would help them to be the man, the woman that they should be. That you would use them in a mighty way. And Lord, help each one of us to worship you, to truly worship you. Lord, bless this church and be with us today in Jesus' name. Amen.